have our um our scary moments, don't we? In the Lord, sometimes we have our trials, our dark nights. Like this is walking through the dark, um, and we have to just keep going and get to the end because in the end, there's the light and the and the home and the warmth and and we're going to be with the Lord, the Lord's kingdom when he's when he comes back and sets up, you know, a reign of righteousness. And it's just going to be out of this world. It's going to be brilliant. It's just beyond what we can even imagine or comprehend. It hasn't entered into our hearts, our eyes, our ears, the Bible tells us. Um, so I thought we just might look at a couple of examples of people who were on a journey, a one-way journey. So Genesis chapter 19, and uh, it's the story of Lot in Sodom City uh, in the Middle East there, and... Um, a city that have, you know, cities have been around for, for thousands of years, and they developed, uh, you know, all the all the things you need. You know, there would have been, you know, farming and produce and and trade and commerce and bureaucracy and all sorts of things. And then, you know, on top of that, there's there's culture, and we read about this city becoming quite depraved, and um, behaving in you know very ungodly ways. And Lot, who's the Lord's person in this city, so we can identify with him, perhaps as we live in this, not necessary Perth, but this city, the world that we live in, and, and we're the Lord's people in this city, in this story, and we'll, we'll just sort of pick a few verses out. Verse 12, the Lord wants to bring him out. Um, verse 12, And the men said unto Lot, These are two angels that go to... to Extract not from Sodom, hast thou any here besides, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They just thought he was joking. They probably mocked him in return. You know, you've got to be kidding, you know. This is our home. For, for better or worse, this is where we live. We're going to stay here. And, you know, you think of, to update that to the New Testament, we think of Second Peter chapter 3. It says, There shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Same attitude, isn't it? You know, we're, we're not going with you, they say. What are you talking about? We're staying here. So he goes with his wife and his daughters and leaves the sons-in-law behind. You know, they, okay, you stay here. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So they actually helped him get out. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And um, not only did the angels come to get him and bring him out and take him by the hand and pull him out, but they're instructing him to go up to the mountain. And in my mind, I just think of the mountain of the Lord, you know, mentioned in the scripture several times, so Isaiah, Micah, 
uh, Daniel, where it talks about the stone mountain, which will overtake all the other mountains of the earthly kingdoms and so on, and be the one and only in times to come. Go up to that mountain. But it, Lot says, uh, Not so, my Lord, verse 18. Behold, now thy servant has found grace in thy sight. So he's a little bit grateful. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. So he's disputing with the Lord. I don't necessarily want to go up to this mountain of yours. I want to sort of stay down here, maybe go to a different city, you know, a little bit of negotiation. Um, and he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. In a sense, I've heard brought out the, that this is possibly an example of the church that we're in now. We're separated from the world, but we're in a little city, our, our group, but we're still sort of connected to the world in a way, if you like. We're still in the world, but we're not of the world, but we haven't yet gone up the mountain, you know, if you see what I'm saying here. So often these Old Testament stories have, have a kind of like a another layer of meaning, a sort of a message for us if we want to look for it. Um. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered unto Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew these cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And uh, that is a famous uh, event, of course, in the scriptures. Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. And, uh, you know, we can look up what all these words mean and perhaps looking for a bit of context and what it might sort of, a bit more depth to what this might all mean. Um, looking back, actually, if you look it up in the concordance, it means to, to be longing after something, to look back longingly, to, to, um, to want to be there, as it were. So it wasn't that she just glanced over her shoulder and bingo, you know, it was more... I really would like to be back there in that in that place. A pillar of salt, you know, when you look that up, uh, one place talks about a a pillar of barrenness, you know, not fruitful and so on. So different ways we can look at it, but the message is clear. You know, you're on this journey, there's no turning back, we've got to keep going forward. And there's just one of many stories of journeys, of course, in the scriptures. But uh, Jesus mentions it, and we'll look at it a little later on. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, next book. And uh, it's the chapter about the Passover, the institution of the Passover, where the Lord first instructs them how to keep this. And uh, very much a type of Jesus Christ being the Passover lamb who was crucified on the Passover. And it says, just for context, Verse 3, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So every house of people of Israel who are now in Egypt, dwelling in Egypt, were to take a lamb on the tenth day of the month. In verse 6, it says, And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. So keep it for four days, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. 
and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Well, this is really, you know, that Jesus said, I am the door. His blood is what allows us to go through that door. There's a lot of types in this, but that's not the talk tonight. We're looking at journeys, and uh, in verse 15, seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses, for whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now, this is uh, a feast. This became a feast, a Passover feast of unleavened bread, but it starts with the Passover and the, and the sacrifice of the lamb and goes for seven days after that, and they would eat this bread without leaven in it, without yeast, just flat bread. And you think, well, what's that all about? But there is a message in that, of course, and it is to do with journeys. Uh, verse 34, it says, And the people took their dough before it was leavened. This is where the Lord is sending them out of Egypt. They're kneading troughs, being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. So they just made this bread. They didn't wait for it to rise. They just made it, wrapped it all up. They had these um, implements, these kitchen utensils, if you like, for making bread, and they just wrapped them up in, in cloths and put them on their shoulders and took them. And verse 39, And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. So it was like it was done in haste. They had to leave. They just made the dough so they could, you know, make little flat cakes of it later, put it on the hot plate and cook it, but uh, it wasn't allowed to rise. And there's a message in this that we are not, um, we're not dwelling on the world and waiting for the world. We're just, we're going. We're going where the Lord tells us to go. And yes, he's going to feed us. You know, we need to eat sustain the, the, the body, but it's not important whether it rises or it doesn't rise. Um, if you've ever eaten that sort of bread, it's uh, maybe it's not as pleasant, but it's, you know, it does the same job, doesn't it? So basically this is God saying, on your way, guys, travel light, get going on your journey. And we know that they, they go, they have their fears, they're standing by the Red Sea, if they're hemmed in, thinking, what's going to happen next? And the Lord does an amazing miracle, and they go through. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said to him, Jesus, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plough and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, you've made your choice. You know, all of us, when we came, we got baptised. We received the Holy Spirit, it's like, well, this is your life now. I mean, I was sharing my testimony with someone a couple of days ago, and I mentioned that the moment that I received the Spirit and spoke in tongues, and I had that experience that, that Linda spoke of, where she knew God was true, and that moment when she spoke in tongues, same with me, my life changed from that moment on. And I said this to this person, you know, from that moment, 
11 o'clock in the morning on the 12th of April 1990, it just pivoted and moved in a different direction. And that's what Jesus is saying here. It might seem harsh, but the culture in these times go go back and say goodbye. Do you remember the stories in the Old Testament where Laban kept Jacob there and, you know, eating and drinking and wouldn't let him leave? It was, it's like that, you know. Uh, the family um, feasting and so on, saying goodbye. He says, no, time to move. Travel light. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. Sometimes as we go along, we can, you know, have fears that, am I going to make it? Have I got what it takes? Have I got the fortitude, the courage, the strength? But uh, we're always encouraged by the Scriptures, and really doesn't matter where you open it up, Psalms, New Testament, you'll find a Scripture that just builds you up again, and here's just one of them. Verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He started a good work in you when he filled you with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be there when Jesus returns through the clouds and claims you. He doesn't want you to be uh, wandering off lost or perished. He's he's given you everything you need and he'll continue to nourish you and give you everything you need. And when you're in trouble, you can cry out to him and he'll heal you and he'll bless you and deliver you and put you back on your feet and keep you walking. You know, doesn't he say in another place, um, lift up the hands that hang down and strengthen the feeble knees? You know, I'm going to do that for you. So he started a good work in us and he wants to see it through to the finish. So again, no turning back. But chapter 3, verse 13. And this is Paul speaking to these people in Philippi. And he's saying to them, Saints, brethren, fellow brothers and sisters there in this little assembly there, Brethren, I count not myself to who have apprehended or taken possession of yet, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And um, how would it be if we, if we didn't achieve that, that prize we, that we can barely uh, even comprehend, but... God is he's probably just busting with excitement, just like a parent, you know, waiting for their kids to open their presents at Christmas time and then get all see all the excitement. He's sort of waiting to to give it to us and say, well, you know, you you did it tough at times. You you kept going um, through that wilderness, through the ups, the, the the mountains and the valleys and the heat and the sand and all the rest of it and the and the unleavened bread, you know. He, the manna that came down and they got sick of it and so on. You've sort of put aside all the things of the world. You travel light. You kept going. You didn't get too in, entangled. And here's, here's your big prize. And so much going to be worth it. So we read things that, that Paul, Paul says like this. And he says, you know, that he was caught up and he saw things that's unlawful for man to utter. He just saw amazing things. He says he had revelations from the Lord and he didn't want to boast about them you know, what the Lord had shown him, and just glimpses of uh, what the Lord has in store for us. Um, Isaiah, chapter 11. Just reading through Isaiah and um, at the moment, and 
noticing, as I've noticed before, that every now and then you come across a chapter or two that just talks about what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. It's prophecy of the millennium, basically. This thousand years that uh, is coming up when the Lord returns, where we read in Revelation that Satan is locked away and uh, you know there won't be any any warfare. Saints will be ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus, and and there's this thousand years of peace. And chapter eleven here talks about that. Uh, and at first, it starts off talking about Jesus. It says, "And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots." That's Jesus. He was of Jesse. Jesse's son was David, of course, and uh, Jesus is of the house of David. And he's referred to as the branch in many places. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. This is also echoed in Revelation when it talks about Jesus coming back and on his thigh written, Lord of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and out of his mouth a sharp two-edged sword, the word of God. Um, and so that is what it means about the rod of his mouth, you know, that the law, the righteousness, the truth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Now, sometimes you see pictures of, you know, wolves and lambs lying down together, and, you know, people imagining an earthly sort of paradise. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's really talking about things that uh, have enmity between them, all of that finishing, and they're just being a, a different way of doing things, a peacefulness, a righteousness, a, um, a not a time of conflict, and a little child shall lead them. And I really believe this is referring, of course, to the saints in the millennium, which he says are going to rule and reign with Christ. Because does he not ask us to be as little children and as you become as a little child in your, you know, in your faith and your belief in the Lord, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so the little children, out of the mouths of babes, thou hast perfected praise. You know, again and again, he says he, he's hidden the truth from the wise and the prudent and revealed it unto babes, the saints, those that are, hum, have humbled themselves and become as children and received the spirit and going on with the Lord. The little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, or the, the um, poisonous snake, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, and there's that mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to which shall be the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Again, talking about Jesus Christ, he will be the one who will bring in the Gentiles. You know, it won't just be for Israel, it'll be for the whole world, 
to achieve salvation if they want it. And the rest for them shall be glorious. But uh, it talks there about that holy mountain. You know, and again, Daniel talks in prophecy about this stone mountain, the Lord's kingdom, which shall sort of smash all the other mountains that are before it, the Babylonian, the Roman, etc., etc., and his kingdom shall dominate the whole earth. And that's talking about the millennium. And so this is a prophecy about the millennium. There'd be no hurting, no destroying. And, you know, another place in Isaiah talks about beating um, weapons into plowshares and so on. You know, won't need weapons. There'll be peace on earth. And the whole earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And, uh, you know, it tells us in another place that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all part of it too. Just back in chapter 2 of Isaiah, while we're speaking about the mountain of the Lord, in verse 3, and we sing this, I think we sang this chorus tonight, and many, many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Yeah, we did. We started with 412 chorus. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And uh, this is the mountain that, that Lot was told, go up to this mountain. Well, I'd like to just stay here in this little city. Okay, we'll stay here in this little city, our little church, for now. But we're going to go up to the mountain of the Lord pretty soon. As Lynn said in her testimony, it's not too far away. All right, we'll finish in Luke chapter 17. I said we were going to look at what Jesus said about this. That's always a good thing to do. No turning back. Luke 17, verse 20. And when he, Jesus, was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lightens out of the one part of under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. And it brings that out also in chapter 21 and, and Matthew 24, talking about Jesus coming uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, coming through the clouds, being evident, don't. Don't uh, listen to someone who says he's in a secret room somewhere or he's out in the desert. He says, you're going to know, you'll see it. As the lightning shines right across the sky, it'll be uh, that evident. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away, and he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. And Jesus just makes that pointed comment, 
Remember Lot's wife. She aspired to go back. But Lot went on, and he wasn't perfect Lot. You know, he was a bit hesitant. He wasn't always faithful and so on. But he was God's person as we are in that city, in this world as we are. And God is bringing us out, and he's put us in this fellowship. This is kind of in the world, but not of the world, in readiness to go up the mountain, as he, he's asked Lot to do in the beginning. And remember Lot's wife, no turning back. We're going to keep going forward. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. 